welcome back to the usl show uh for me personally this is great because i actually have wi-fi so shout out to me um we have this week we just have john and ryan Alan has decided to go enjoy a vacation in New Orleans, rude. Um, and Phil and Gio have decided to be good fathers, which is also insanely rude. Don't they know that content comes first? I know they'll see this eventually. Um, yeah, this is uh, it's great to be back. It is This week was interesting in the fact that it was fairly straightforward with most results, um, which in a weird way makes this week this last week less predictable by being insanely predictable so there there's that um john how you doing my man yeah doing well can't imagine having family and friends to keep me away from the pod ridiculous <laughs> couldn't imagine could not imagine especially a twin brother or something <laughs> ryan um, doing okay over the uh, long weekend. We had a, a tropical storm hit uh, the Carolinas, so that was always uh, interesting to uh, deal with. I mean, it wouldn't be. Uh, did you see any hammerhead sharks in Wilmington? Uh, it just brought a lot of rain. <laughs> no sharks. Dumb. If that's not a sign that the hammerheads aren't back, I don't know what is. <laughs> are we? Are we just expecting? Are we? What if? league one uh conspiracy we really stick it to jamie vardy and they're the wilmington rhinos hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so in the week that was there's a couple of fun things that we have this is the last week of the w league and i believe league two as well we're starting to get those first playoffs we had a little bit of um a little bit of league two drama that quickly got deleted that was very funny uh la crew uh called out uh texas their uh, club and said that their players and their coach have no class but congrats on the playoffs it's essentially what the tweet said so never change league two please never change um but ryan you had uh you had saw some uh, actually some good news come out of league two uh, a big shout out to Lionsbridge FC for their uh, crowd of at least 3,500, uh, just for a huge supporters, their largest crowd in the five-year history of the club, which is just really exciting to see for uh, League Two. That's uh, that's almost as big, if not close to being up there with the biggest League One, uh, right? I mean, League One has had good res uh, pools, but I think the biggest League One uh, crowd, purely League One, not a U.S. Open Cup, um has been about four thousand, right so they're right there yeah we'd have to check back through a lot of the old historical um just stats that we have but um it seems like that that was just like a really terrific crowd i'm trying to go back through uh, mike pendleton's uh stats to see like the most comparable uh team in uh like both leagues but i think that is larger than the largest one of league one which was union omaha at 3400. wow, wow crazy of like seven miami or the miami fc crowds <laughs> so is the miami starting to get sued by the ohio state now that they have the trademark are we about to see like football <laughs> war like full out football versus football wars because this could be fun when the miami joins the sec then it becomes a problem <laughs> <laughs> it just means more <laughs> oh man 
Yeah. So speaking of Union Omaha, by the way, they won our away days uh, poll, which I feel like we have, I did not do a good job at advertising that correctly. We are going to reach out for to somebody from Union Omaha to show off the city, right? None of us can afford to go there on our own unless somebody wants to fly us out there. Hey, we had the GM on for uh, for Union Omaha. If you want to fly us out there, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're going to reach out to the right people, and we want to make sure that Union Omaha gets broadcasted accordingly, and you know. Uh, Ford, Madison, and Greenville were not far behind, so we'll see. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the week that was. Uh, can we, let's go ahead and start off with some with Ryan with some told you so's and shockers. I don't know. I do have to laugh with, I guess, uh, at least the told you so. I think a large amount of us, or not told you so, some of the shockers, a large amount of us picked Charleston as a lock this past weekend. <laughs> and midweek, they had, it was it, admittedly a excite, a fun match to watch, but it was in Atlanta United to win 4-3 to three over the Charleston Battery midweek. Uh, I Just more of a the USO show curse just kind of striking again as, that was a game that uh, all of us had chosen within our picks. Don't look now, but it, but two not is undefeated in their last two matches, and Legion play them tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna lose, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, but just talking about two United for a minute, though. I mean, that team right now is really fun to watch. They don't play any defense at all. And it makes for like a super exciting game. I know from some discussions that um, a couple of their attackers are drawing some attention from around the league. So, and you understand why if you see them play, they're really dynamic, really smart on the ball. It's, I mean, it's a blast. I mean, Tristan Traeger has been absolutely phenomenal. And if you watch him play, he's not a true out and out striker all the time. Against uh, Charleston, um, there was a little bit different that, than the result against El Paso, which you know we are going to mention in the you know in light of Phil not being able to defend himself. Um, but yeah, I mean against Charleston, we saw him kind of play as almost a cam who would rotate up to be a striker. It was really interesting to watch. He would receive the ball in deep. But then he would go uh, later on in the match or later on into the match and and run in between the center backs. It was very interesting to watch. And tactically, it was very interesting because they had two really wide players during the entire match, and the rest of their midfield was as compressed as possible. So they just put two people wide, said these people exist, and then just gunned up the middle, which forces your the other team's fullbacks to you know, go out wide as well because they can't just leave them unmarked. It was a really interesting watch. And like John said, no defense. It is all gas, no breaks. I mean, out of their 18 games they've played this year on 12 occasions, they've conceded multiple goals. They're averaging, they only have two clean sheets this year. Um, if you remove those two clean sheets, I know this is a bit of butter knife stats, but if you remove those clean sheets, they're averaging two, uh, 2.75 goals against per game. So when they when they aren't keeping clean sheets, they're bad. 
I mean, there was a stretch of games this year where they conceded uh, over three goals against Pittsburgh, Louisville, Detroit, RGV, and Memphis, and Tossin Hartford as well. Well, it's kind of funny, though, because we picked several people uh, picked Charleston as their lock, even though two United beat uh, Charleston 4-1 earlier this year. So I feel like I'm going to fall on my sword a little bit with the Charleston thing being the first one to like confidently lock it in. <laughs> they had this two they had these two consecutive games where they just took it to Pittsburgh. They really handled Tampa well and could have gotten three points down in Tampa. And then they really just kind of collapsed when they played against Atlanta. And you can totally blame it on the way that those Atlanta forwards operate where you're where any of the three of them can drop into those midfield areas. And Charleston just plays with one defensive midfielder. So you're having these players overwhelm them. The center backs are getting drawn out. And I love Leland Archer and Preston Kilween, but they're not quick players. So they're stepping up, facing these pacey young forwards. And it didn't work at all for the battery. And granted, then San Antonio went and completely shut them down again. So I clearly was just roast into glasses with Charleston, but still like I had a mental thing of, okay, they're in this decent run of form. Maybe it'll come off for them. You know, this is something I, I didn't see it mentioned in your article at backhield hashtag ad. Um, but you, when you mentioned the two teams in USL, right? I, one thing that, I didn't. I don't remember seeing it in your article, but part of the reason Atlanta United two has been so bad is because of their first team. I was, uh, you know, in preparation for the match tomorrow. I was doing a lot of research. Of the thirty six players uh, to make an appearance for Atlanta United senior, seventeen have have gotten some kind of moderate injury, meaning they had to miss more than two matches. 17, meaning they've been having to pull from the USL squad a lot. I mean, Aiden McFadden, who I've been screaming from the rooftops to get playing time, is finally getting called up. Uh, Jackson Conway has gotten some playing time. His first appearance in MLS, he gets a goal, which is cool stuff. But, I mean, that's one of the things that it is a problem for the USL that I can't wait for the two teams to be gone because you don't have to deal with that anymore. But I feel like Atlanta is still a weird one just because of the odd amount of injuries that the senior squad has had. Um, what about, do you have any I told you so, Ryan, or was is this just vanilla? <laughs> <laughs> well, considering the uh, predictions that's uh, gained zero points over the last three weeks, it hasn't been the best run of form, I guess. But um. <laughs> I guess that at least the one high mark of a few of the predictions, and a lot of us had picked the same game as well, was uh, Tampa Bay getting the win over Memphis. And it's a Tampa Bay team who is the only one in the Eastern Conference right now who are unbeaten in their last five as they've really moved up the table as they are now just three points off the top of the, uh, the, top of the conference with Louisville. I, mean, I think the interesting thing with them – was that they turned around the really mediocre start the minute they benched Sebastian Guenzati, which was a really brave move because he's the leading scorer in USL over the last three years in total. And it let them become so much more flexible with the way that Fernandez and Lacava interacted and interchanged in that step behind whichever striker they're starting, whether it be a Grieg or a DeSantos. 
it's been really effective and they've continued to experiment tactically. These last two weeks, they've played a back four, which is so unique for the Rowdies. And uh, Sebastian Dalgard basically has been the stopper. He will play on whichever wing they deem to be more dangerous for the opponent and man mark the heck out of whoever the threat is. So he shut down Alex Dixon two weeks ago. He did the same thing to Jeremy Kelly against Memphis. They're really looking good right now, and I'd be afraid if I was anybody in the East. Uh, quick update, uh, Ford Masson up 1-0 over uh, Northern Colorado, uh, only nine minutes in. So we're either going to see a blowout, which is not uncommon in USL League 1, or we're going to see just some crazy high-scoring game, which is also not unheard of because League 1. Again, if you're not watching League 1, it's sometimes it's more fun as a neutral because it – I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. The experts don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's it's just fun. But, yeah, they're already up 1-0 against Northern Colorado. You know, you kind of mentioned someone, Ryan, and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit. Um, another shameless plug, check out the Louisville City away days. But Louisville City, they – this I don't know if this is going to make sense. I do think that San Antonio is the best team in the USL, but I still can't see them beating Louisville City in a like a cup final. If it comes down to a cup final, the way this Louisville City team plays, I just they're ridiculous up close. Watching them on film is one thing, but when you get to watch them up close, they're ridiculous. And I know and I know uh, Legion fans may have a little bit of gripe with how the game went. Say whatever you want about the Mikey foul. Say whatever you want about the penalty at the very end. Um, I personally, in real time, thought it was a penalty. Watching back on TV, it may be not. But in person, I thought it was. So I'm not going to give the ref too hard of a call on that. And if you're... And I basically, I, and I said this before, the loss for Legion came down to coaching mistakes in my mind. But even then, it, Blue City is so good. They, the way that they moved the ball, the way that they were able to break down, the, what, I, what it really impressed me really was they were able to break down the Legion defense, which it was very much a bend don't break but the off the ball movement was insane watching the players off the ball it was just pure poetry i just don't know how anybody could beat them when it comes to a cup final especially if they're playing it at home they have seven wins at home this year with only the one loss to monterey bay being their one defeat in louisville it's they like, if they're going to host this game, and we've seen it time and time again when they've gotten to the playoffs, Louisville just knows how to do well in the postseason in USL. If you think about, I think, two things here. Their playoff run last year, the big mistake was going into that defensive shell against Tampa and thinking you could just sit in and defend against a really good offense without attacking. It's like the classic prevent defense problem in the NFL they've become much more positive and they've stuck with that approach this season. If there's one area where they are vulnerable though, and you saw it with that Monterey game, it's these transition opportunities where they get really drawn up into the opposing half, they attack, they can't quite get through, and then suddenly you're able to break on them. 
And if there's something that the hypothetical matchup of a San Antonio, for instance, in a title game, that's the bread and butter of what San Antonio does. And I think that uh, Louisville has improved with that as the season has gone on. I think especially uh, Josh Winder with extra game experience at such a young age has improved a ton in just the last couple of months. But that would still be the one area I'm worried, and I think it's the one area that San Antonio really excels. And I think that's definitely fair. I think the one thing that I've noticed, and this is also in Monterey Bay, um, which I don't know if anybody else has this problem. I have to read read how I spell Monterey so many times. It's not a real word. I don't care. It's not real. It's I don't know how to make it easier to spell because even the way I – whenever I spell it wrong, it looks wrong. So I, I don't know. It's not a real word. Um, spelling but, in the Monterey in uh, Mexico as well. Yeah, it's it makes no sense. Whatever. This is why I'm not an English major. Um, I just the one thing is is that Louisville City, if somebody decides to sit in deep and not even do a counter, not even just try to counterattack, if they just park the bus full on Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho, not Jose, I'm dumb. Um, Jose Mourinho, just park the bus. I mean, they might struggle. I mean, they would really struggle. I mean, Monterey Bay, I mean, even though Blue City looked good at times, they looked bad whenever somebody didn't even try to attack. They got their two goals and said, we are not going to go past halfway. We're done with that, and you're just going to have to deal with that. And Blue City did not handle it whatsoever. Yeah, and that's the thing. You do wonder, in terms of breaking down those opponents who are really willing to park the bus, how different is this team two months from now when, in theory, you've got a healthy Cameron Lancaster, when Wilson Harris is back to full health, and you can really throw in the whole arsenal of options for this side? If the playoffs started today for the Eastern Conference, Louisville would have the bye, but they would be playing either Detroit or Pittsburgh in that next round. Oh, that's spicy. Both of those are spicy. I Detroit mean, played them really well in that Open Cup game, and they did it by exactly what we've been talking about, sitting in deep, lobbing it up to Hopano, and going from there. But you'd have to imagine they play that it'd be different at home in a playoff game in Louisville, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the and this is not a this is not a whole uh, Detroit City isn't as good as Louisville City. That's I mean, the U.S. has the biggest home field advantage of any country around the world as at least out of the european where we can really find those stats but the home field advantage is so real here and loose city after getting to be on the pitch it, there was only uh nine or 9500 only 9500 there in attendance there there were times i really thought it was closer to thirteen thousand. it was ridiculously loud i that's one of those places that it's going to be a fortress to have to go there and play. Um, John, do you have any surprises? And I told you so's. This was a terrible prediction week for me with, I told you so's. Um, I will take credit for the San Diego win yesterday on the fourth, where I did the whole power ranking center around like San Diego might be a legit title threat. And then they go into Colorado Springs and get that three to two win looked really good doing it, played their game even without Kyle Vassell. It was a really impressive victory for my taste. 
Yeah, you know, not really talking about that match in particular. Um, I want to get to my I told you so in a little bit, but Louisville, not Louisville, wow, uh, on the brain right now, uh, rent-free, I guess. Um, the Loyal, they, after going on, not really a skid, they never really looked like they were bad or necessarily, but they just didn't look as as much of world beaters as we thought they just continue to go out and do the dang thing that's and sometimes there is just no price on doing that i mean hey i mean orange county won a cup on just going out and just scraping by results sometimes you just got to get a little you know blue collar nose the grindstone go out there and do it and if that involves uh kyle vassell deciding to go full ufc hey if that's what gets the boys going that's what gets the boys going (laughs) I mean, you're looking. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say with uh, San Diego, uh, over their past four games, they've picked up three wins in a row. And if you're looking at the Colorado Springs in that same time, that's three wins in their last four. Or, sorry, three losses in their last four. Colorado. And so this is, I'm just going to go ahead and give my I told you so already. And that was for Sacramento. I said on the pod last week that somehow them losing to Hartford made me more positive that they were going to beat Sacramento. It just felt like you don't, if you are the switchbacks, you don't lose 2-0 to Hartford and then not go out and blow out whoever you're playing next. It just feels, I mean, it's it's Audrey Berry. I mean, he's just going to go out there and bag goals because that's what he does. Something that, because they have more of an arsenal with, with switchbacks Haji Berry has somehow just been forgotten throughout this season that I know last night they really pushed the narrative of him being MVP golden boot whatever but people don't understand what a freak show he is (laughs) he's ridiculous and he's been more provider more pulling players off the ball uh being more of a disruption than but if he wants to if he wanted to I think he could score a goal or multiple every single game if he just wanted to be selfish, but he hasn't been. And maybe is that weirdly a detriment to this team? I don't know. If you think about that selflessness, though, like Michigalina has double-digit goals and assists already because of the space that Harry or Haji Berry dropping deep buys him. Elvis and Mo has been so productive for this team. I mean, the – what Haji Berry does with his movement has gotten goals for Cam Lindley and Zach Zandi at the same time. It's this knock-on effect where wherever he goes, the defense has to respect him because he's a sniper from range. He can cross in from anywhere. He's got such a complete skill set that he opens up so many doors. And yeah, he can take over a game if he wants to. That's the beauty of it. And it's something that if you have that in your back pocket going into the playoff stretch, that's invaluable. But I think it just shows the beauty of how good a player he really is. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at American soccer analysis, he is the sixth highest created XG of uh, any USL championship player this year. And uh, only uh, it was Arthur Magnus Carlson who has lead the lead in XG. So uh, what about some shocks coming out for you? Unless that was the shocks. Um, I don't remember. Um, so I guess, did you have any I told you so's for this week, John? 
Um, I'm sort of claimed San Diego for that. I guess if there was a shock for me, it was um, going back to Friday, that LA Galaxy 2 Oakland game where LA straight took it to the roots. And I guess at this point, I shouldn't be surprised that Oakland is as up and down as anybody in this league. They're incredibly weird. But man, did LA look sharp. And um, I think pending some, I don't think the Colorado Springs results affected it. They're up to sixth in the West right now. And I know I did the tactic show about their attack a couple weeks ago. This is a team that people should be, I mean, they're not going to be a title threat, let's be real, but they're someone that you really should be taking seriously as a legit playoff team. In my complete chaos, horrible, I want this for all the wrong reasons. It would be awful for the league, but could you imagine a cup final in front of no fans? (laughs) Horrendous. (laughs) I mean... Losos entered the league in 2014 as a playoff team or yeah in 2014 and then they appeared in the cup final against Rochester in the second year it'd be fitting to see them go out in a cup final as well that'd be so gross that would be so gross just surely for a cup final they would open the doors surely the USL would finally force their hand right but even then like who cares about LA Galaxy 2 in the USL Cup if you're in LA? You know what I mean? When you haven't even built up a fan base because you've been closed doors for so long. Unless it becomes a, a, an attraction of, for one time, one time only, come see Los yeah. Dos. <laughs> I, I don't know. What a Surely night. the league would probably... For- if they're not going to open the doors, they'll just say, okay, you lose hosting privileges and we'll move it to the Eastern Conference team. They've done that before in the playoffs of switching who hosts games based off of scheduling. Yeah. That's strange. Um, I guess in a weird way, um, my shock of the week, I mean, there really wasn't much. I mean, yeah, you kind of look at the uh, the Charleston result and – that's there but it's kind of hard to find a, a, a something overly shocking maybe you could look at uh tucson's uh late equalizer against greenville uh getting a result against greenville uh, tucson is still not great but they're starting to get more results I mean, they got their win against the uh, the Sad Wolves. They got their draw against Fuego. I, I get that that's, you know, three unbeaten and four. I get that two of them are draws, but from relative of where they were, that feels like it's progress. They're still on negative eight goal differential, which is the uh, which is still the uh, worst in the league tied with uh, the Charlotte Independents, who actually are a current playoff team. At the same time, I think they're only one goal in the negative in their last five. So maybe you chalk it up to a bad start. I don't know. I mean, let's be real. I don't think they're that good at all. But they're approaching competence, maybe. What a bizarre league. What a bizarre league. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. They're on neg- They're on minus eight, same as the independents who – we talked about it last week that after a 
what was the final score to that? Was it a 6-2 win that they had? Yeah. They still didn't crawl back to an even goal differential on the week after losing 7-1, after they get Brazil'd. And now you're looking at a Tucson team who is minus eight goals, and the team above them in 10th has only a negative one, just like everybody else in the league. I, I just don't understand that I just don't get it. Richmond's back at the top of the table unless uh, this uh, Ford Madison result has changed something, but I don't think it has. I think they're to- at the top of the table with by far the best goal differential of 13 when they were able to – I don't know. This It makes no sense. If you want more in-depth, I guess you can look at Walking 90, but most of their podcast has also been this league makes no sense. And that's why we love it. <laughs> I mean, on the bright side for Tucson, they are just five points out of a playoff spot because you have five teams tied on 17 points between fifth and ninth. And even they're the team directly above them in 10th, uh, Northern Colorado, pending tonight's result, is still only four points in front of them. So they still have a chance to avoid finishing bottom of the league. God, okay. All right, whatever. This dumb league, dumb league, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to do with that. I really don't. Um, there's, I mean, there was a ton of fun matchups this last week, though. Someone we kind of touched on, the Legion uh, Loose City match, which I'm still going to hold that against. I'm guessing this is Nicholas Murray. Sorry, Nick. You're a great guy. But. I mean, that not being included in the top 14 matches of of July was a bit of an oversight. Um, you were um, on this on Twitter. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was a little bit bitter. I was a little bit mad. Um, <laughs> not a big matchup. Um, I, it was a little bit funny seeing Coach Sohn get a straight red. I don't know when's the last time we've seen a coach get a straight red, but I feel like it's been a minute. And Harry Watling a couple weeks ago, and then he quit the job. Oh, the yeah, next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was. Oh, I forgot about that. I, I, remembered, I remembered him being yeah. in the stands, but I thought for some reason, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't think about that. But other than that, other than those two, which unless somebody kept it a secret, Coach Stone did not come out and emerge into Lynn family. Um, if he did, I wish he would have told me because I would have just gone over there and hung out with him. That would have been fun. Um, I don't know. that. What a bizarre circumstance to have your coach get a straight red, and now he's going to be out, which uh, really, how much does your manager being out really affect the team for one game? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you figure that he can give such detailed instructions if he needs to. Yeah. Also, uh, Northern uh, Colorado just uh, drew, just got their equalizer against Ford Madison because, of course, they did. Uh, Geo's guess of a 4-4 draw is on the table. Um, <laughs> but you kind of have to – I guess if you're – you trust your assistant coach enough that – He's going to just be an extension of you, which has always confused me with because we've had we've seen this now recently. A couple coaches get uh, get the sack now, and their assistant get appointed as the interim. Which most of the time, the assistant's just the head. It's just the head coach. 
it's it's the same human tactically. It's just a different person saying it. Which kind of confuses me sometimes whenever those coaches get appointed and get lifted up, I suppose. Unless it really is all just about um just about like how it's conveyed and maybe being a player's coach versus just being a coach coach, if that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, we've seen it with a few times that it just takes like a change of face. I mean, we were speaking about this with Chance earlier this year that you can only listen to the same motivations, to the same speeches over and over again. And if the coach like physically can't be at the game for the next game or isn't the one in the locker room or on the touchline, then maybe that just kind of helps with just a fresh face or a fresh perspective on the team. And you should be the interim manager. I should... <laughs> Could you imagine if they gave me the keys one time, just said, Kaylor, listen, you think you're so good at it. Go get them, kid. Um, listen, I put my Death Star Juggernaut Legion uh, offense out there. It is going to be – if you're going to fight the Atlanta no-defense fire, we are just going to go full send. Basically, I mean, I think – I think you're essentially just starting the same lineup we're going to put out there and accept uh, for Zach Caravo, you're putting out Eddie Horvat and just seeing what chaos you can create. Um, it's because uh, Jake Roof's out. It's going to be Ryan James. On the other side, you have Johnny Dean. So we have two wingbacks, or in the case of Johnny Dean, he's just a winger. I don't know. We just need to drop the fullback. I get that his official title is defender. He's a winger. Um, and just we're going to send everybody forward. It's a, it's essentially just going to be a two eight system. I don't care. We're going up, boys. But it's, <laughs> but uh, if you, it was kind of brought up. I mean, with Phoenix, they finally get their first point in over a month, and it's one point. It. I don't want anybody to get the sack. I want that to be so clear. We said this so many times. I don't want anybody to get the sack, but like at what what are you waiting for at this point if you're Phoenix unless it's you're really sure that he can he can turn it around. Yeah, uh if you watch these games, I'm really liking what he's doing tactically. I think the decisions that Chance has made in the context of each of the individual games has been strong. And again and again, he and Phoenix are just suffering because of the most harebrained defensive mistakes you're ever going to see. A lot of it is boiling down to a lack of effort. So even if some of the systematic things are correct, I don't know how you can't move on when it seems like the players have quit on him. And that's nothing against Chance, who I think should get a job immediately in this league and someone would be lucky to have him because he's good at this job and he knows how to do it at this level. But the rising need to change. It's very much an Orange County last year situation where just getting a new voice in there could be all the difference. I think the concern with the rising is if you're looking at these next five games, like if there was going to be a change, it should have been prior to this next run of form because you go against Memphis and Louisville in the same road trip. You have to host Sacramento, Oakland, and then you have Colorado Springs to end the rest of July. If 
I almost feel like if you get through that and there aren't, there's not a win in there, that is pretty much all the excuse that you need. But where's the, I guess the only place they can say there's a possible win here is 901. And I just don't see that. I, I, even though we saw the Tampa Bay game, I still really believe in what Memphis is doing. And it somehow hurts worse and worse. Every time I mutter those words, um, I, I mean, they could get I, a possible result out of Oakland away. It's tricky, but like there's still, it's those five games are just going to be so difficult. And that's almost, uh, that's all you need if they can't get through that without points to fire a chance. What, by the way, speaking of Oakland, when are we going to wait for them just to turn it around? Are we just waiting for a miracle like last year? Or, because this doesn't, this feels more hopeless than it did last year. At least last year, there were glimpses, there were sparks, there were something. This year, it's just. They're in the thick of it. If you look at the table, though, that's the issue. Where I mean, they've got, they've played 20 games already somehow, which is crazy. But even, even considering that, they're in this race. And they have moments where they really click offensively. In the last couple of weeks, they've had a little bit of injury trouble. I'm thinking about like Edgardo Rito missing some time. Their goalkeeper spot has been a bit of a revolving door this season. I like a lot of the talent. I think that Juan Guerra has done a good job with a bit of a weird roster. But I tend to agree with you that they're a little bit too up and down and mediocre, just given how tight the West is. I, I just, it, it feels like last year, after the run that they went on, last year was the time to go out and, and sign someone, get someone big, go or at least get some more people that fit their system. Do something, right? And, you know, I mean, I... You know the meme where the guy's holding a stick and he's put and he's poking him and says, "Do something." Like that's kind of what I felt like with Oakland all off season. Do something, and they come back in and they said, "You know what? Let's run it back." They brought back most of the same team, right? And I guess if Farrell, you're- I would push back on that because they, I mean, you saw Jordan Farrell, who was the manager, moved over to the technical side, and they brought in Guerra. Yeah. Uh, you think about Quincy Ameriqua, Jeremy Bokilla left uh, from the striker spot. The core of their team is basically loanees from Venezia because they share ownership. It's really quite I mean, their forward line, Derek Formella, who was kind of outcast from Sacramento, Charlie Dennis, who they got from Tucson. It's actually a pretty new team, and it took them a while to mesh, and now they're back to being bad. It's just a really odd team. Yeah, I guess um, you know what I mean. Now that you're saying that, I do, I do. Yeah, you're right on that. I just, it felt like a lot of their moves also kind of went under the radar, in a sense, oh, because sure. because they were loans, right? So, I mean, so I, if you shameless plug, I guess it's not even a plug. Um, you know, we have the USL Championship uh, thing that we made the list, right? And every single day I was going down and searching, looking at everything from the last uh, 24 hours, whatever, just trying to see what's happened. And I swear there was a stretch of almost two months where Oakland went without doing anything. 
And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just having a little bit of false memory, but I do want to speak about doing something unless you have something you want to say about this, Ryan. I mean, just that, uh, as John had mentioned, Oakland's still kind of in the thick of things here. They have a zero goal differential. If they win their next game, they're tied with uh, Los Dos in six. So they're still in a playoff team, and they have the most draws of any team within the league. If they can just start converting some of these into wins, I don't think it's quite time yet to just kind of toss away their chances. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I just I don't know. I I felt like last year I had more belief coming into whenever they were about to get hot and start going out and getting results. I felt like there was something there this year. I just feel hopeless. And I get the standings are there, but like John, John pointed out, they are 20 games into the season. I feel like a little bit that is smoke and mirrors that it's not real, you know, cuz they do have those extra games. I mean, you have New Mexico that's uh, just two points in front of them who have five games in hand. <laughs> Ridiculous. I love the USL. Thank you for their scheduling. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> um, some other news. Um, so I got, you know, we got called, we, me, it's me, um, got called out by Mike Watts a little bit today for uh, the move of Sean Lewis. And I, I kind of forgot along the way Sean Lewis wasn't really GK1 anymore after being their guy for so long. Um, but we had a trade earlier today with basically uh, a Corrales goes down for FC Tulsa. They need somebody to play fullback, and they go to Indy trade, and they send over Sean Lewis, which at this point, Indy still didn't have – a. Uh, keeper on their senior squad except for an academy guy right so panico left a couple weeks ago when he got recalled on loan mm -hmm. nashville felt bad and sent brian meredith down meanwhile india's had tim trilk on the squad he's someone they acquired from league one clearly they have no trust in tim trilk so meredith goes down injured this past weekend or rather two weeks ago trilk looks fine and they decide, hey, let's get Sean Lewis. So this is going to be the fourth goalie to get a start for Indy this season, which is just not what you want to be. The, um, just a, the Atlanta a word on Sean Lewis. Or, yeah. <laughs> a word on Sean Lewis, though, where two years ago, by my goalkeeper data, he rated as the best keeper in the entire league. Since then, he struggled with injuries. Uh, in terms of goal saved above average, he was bottom quarter of uh, goalkeepers in 2021 and he's in the second percentile this season so as bad as you can get i uh, lost his starting job noah powder who's leaving indy in this trade is really really good he's not played a ton in the league because he's been away with trinidad so much he's gonna do a lot of good things for this tulsa team and i don't quite get why indy made this trade um I mean, Noah Powder is a two-time USL Cup champion with right. the all-time best baby bulls of 2016 and Real Monarchs. I mean, I don't know. this. I mean, when this one came across at first, because I'm remembering Sean Lewis, like you mentioned, like two years ago, who he was just a freak. Um, and even last year, I, I felt like he was pretty good, but his defense was rough. 
you know that's i that's something that you know sometimes stats can be a little bit misleading but i mean he wasn't as good as he was the year before but also felt like his defense was letting him down a lot um i i just think that this was a weird trade it even after I kind of, you know, made fun of Tulsa a little bit and said, what are you doing? Because they've been getting rid of everybody. Um, now looking at it, Indy looks like the one that got fleeced. And I don't I don't understand this one whatsoever. Yeah, if just another word on it. If uh, when you plugged in these moves to my playoff odds thing, Indy dropped about 8% and Tulsa went up about that equivalent amount. So not insignificant in terms of how much Tulsa may have won this trade by. I mean, this is giving off uh, for NBA people, Rudy Gobert to uh, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're looking at uh, two teams in the Eastern Conference who are direct rivals for playoff spots. Both of them currently find themselves outside the top seven right now but Tulsa is just two points behind in the 11 in the table let me this is something that's always killed me forever and this is in the USL MLS wherever if you're in a battle with somebody whether it's preseason or during the season don't trade with them don't transfer with them don't do anything that could possibly help them ever don't just don't do it just go buy someone from League One. Go sign someone from League Two. Go to MLS and get somebody who's rotting the bench. But don't don't do that with somebody who you're in direct competition with. Worst come to worst, it's a it's an even split. It's, if you're lucky, you win the trade. But I mean, like John said, the odds have shifted towards Tulsa, right? And if they're battling for that final spot, and Sean Lewis gets hurt, and you have a guy who, after Carras goes down, you know, you have a guy back there can do the dang thing for you and sneak in somehow in seventh, and he's going to be kicking themselves. For why? Why did they trade with them? It doesn't make sense. And this is off the heels. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. If you want ultimate storylines, Indy 11 hosts FC Tulsa on October 1st, which is the third to final game that Indy 11 place in the regular season which could very well either the playoffs were already decided by then or it could be a basically last nail in the coffin and if you watch that indie miami game over the weekend it kind of feels like it might be miami's spot to lose for that seventh seed yeah i I don't know. That's this is that's just something that just completely grinds me. I, I hate it. I hate it when teams do that. It makes no sense. Does that, that mean the eight teams in USL League One that are separated by a point can't do business with each other? <laughs> I think there's too much pettiness in League One to do business with each other to begin with. I mean, let's throw back to preseason when we had you know the guys from Greenville on the podcast and. The next day, I get a DM from the president and the owner and the GM from Omaha that says, get us on the show. We saw Greenville was on. Get us on. There's so much pettiness in League One that I don't think they would do business out of each with each other just out of spite. I think, you know, like Ford Madison could come out with 10 players and somebody would say, hey, 
you want to trade for some players, give us some cash. We'll give you some players. Uh, give us an international. Give us some players. I think they would just say no. Uh, no, sorry, we don't do that. We don't want to give you anything. Please. I, I it, that it's a whole petty league, and I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, Ford Madison just got a goal. Um, Joe uh, shot that in. Speaking of Ford Madison, I don't think they're down to ten people yet. So we'll. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we about that's ready for boy, uh, that's my boy Alan Torres, by the way, teenage in the 11 Loney. Ooh, how's he been doing this year, by the way? Struggled to get some games at first, really coming into his own a bit now. Good. So, let's go ahead and move into our predictions. We've uh, kind of okay, we, me, it's always me, uh, kind of rambled on for a little long. So, let's kind of burn through these a bit. Uh, so Ryan, we're going to start off with you. Can the Lily Ball Riverhounds uh, get it right against John's Indy 11? I mean, Indy 11's gone winless in their last four, and Pittsburgh just ended a span of winless in uh, four with a win over New York Red Bulls, too. But everything we've just spoken with with Indy 11, I'm going to be backing the Riverhounds to win this one. Yeah, and I actually locked the Riverhounds here. I think they've got a lot of explosion and pace in the midfield, and I think that's going to cause issues for a subtly kind of bad Indian defense. Yeah, I went with uh, Pittsburgh here. This feels like the match to finally get them right, get them get them going. Uh, next up, we are going with the Wednesday edition of <laughs> uh, of the uh, New Mexico versus RGV. If you're both of these teams, how do you – approach this game knowing that you're playing each other at the same venue again on Saturday. It's like, do you put all your eggs into one basket? Do you try and split the games? I'm going to be picking New Mexico to win this one, but I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how teams are going to play each other back to back in such a very close, like in terms of day separating the game scenario, it's something we haven't seen in USL since I, I want to say around 2016 when teams would do like, friday sunday games of a road trip it's uh, a really interesting just kind of scheduling quirk but new mexico to win the wednesday edition it happened last year actually with legion versus atlanta united too but that was because of uh, weather rescheduling because bbva was underwater um <laughs> and so legion played them wednesday and then played them again on saturday uh both at bbva if i remember correctly legion went out there and played very conservative and the Wednesday game, that was the only time we've ever drawn with two United. And then the next, and then on Saturday, they went full guns blazing because basically they knew that they were going to have a home game in front of more fans. I don't know if that's going to be something that plays into consideration here, but it's like, hey, let's go put out a show for the for the, more of the fans, the ones that more of them will show up for. I don't know. Actually, earlier this year, New Mexico was in the exact same situation, but it was uh, a league game and an open game against Phoenix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. So, yeah, weird that New Mexico gets it twice. But in any event, I'm calling a draw here. RGV is another team. We didn't talk about them earlier. Uh, they had a midweek game last time against El Paso. They are fun. They press you so hard. And I think they're going to cause some troubles for a New Mexico team that's not been great on offense. I went with New Mexico here partially because it's in Albuquerque. Um if it was RGV at home, I think I would have picked them. But 
I, I just believe in the Albuquerque effect, I guess. I don't know. Something underrated. I didn't realize how high up in, in elevation New Mexico was. Um, so, you know, uh, Rio Grande being as low as it is, I wonder how much the atmosphere change will actually have an effect here. So I think for the first game, that's going to be a bigger deal. So I'm going to go with New Mexico. Uh, next up, I lost my place, but it is uh, Pittsburgh versus the, going to be sued, uh, be sued by the Ohio State University, the Miami FC. <laughs> the registered trademark Miami FC uh, <laughs> haven't lost a road game since uh, April 23rd. That was a 2-1 defeat to Phoenix Rising. Since then, they've picked up a 2-1 win against Memphis and, and a 4-0 win against the Battery. And most recently, it was the 1-0 result over Indy 11. It's I think a really interesting scenario as they go into Pittsburgh, who by all accounts still has one of the best home field advantages within USL. So I'm going to take a draw on this one, which I think is going to be a very fascinating match to watch. Yeah, I went with uh, Miami getting the win here. I think Pittsburgh's got a little bit of a tough ask with the Indy Miami back to back. Miami looked really good against Indy over the weekend. So that's informing me here. I'm going with uh, Miami here, the Miami here as well. I I don't believe in Pittsburgh quite yet. I I think they're going to be good enough to get by Indy. I just don't I don't know how they're going to fare against what is going to be pretty much a bona fide playoff team unless something goes horribly horribly wrong. Uh, next up, we have Area Code 901 FC versus Phoenix. This is interesting. And I think like if you took this a Phoenix team like that we're always used to seeing, I think they give them a really tough game, but it's just such a weird Phoenix team that is being played here. And as we were speaking on the show, they started really tough run of form. And especially with this uh, two game road trip out East, I think they really need to get a result here. And I think they get a draw out of this one, but it's, uh, things just have to start turning around soon. Yeah, I went draw here as well. I I feel better about Memphis in this, but I just can't see Phoenix keeping up this poor form. I'm traditionally speaking, you should look at this match and say that Phoenix would wipe the floor with with Memphis, and now we're in a weird upside down world. It's it's bizarre, and I went with nine oh one. I think they're going to get a bounce. I think they're going to bounce back from this Tampa Bay loss, and I think they're going to squeak out a win. Uh, next up, we have El Paso versus Switchbacks. My personal game of the week. That's not true. The next game is going to be game of the week, um, <laughs> but for other reasons, this is a game of the week for me. It's certainly one to watch. If there's going to be a really good game that's coming up this week, yeah. I would definitely tune into El Paso, Colorado Springs. It's an El Paso team who are unbeaten in their last five. And even a switchbacks team who have had a few really tough outings. I mean, they've had the 1-0 loss to San Antonio and the recent heartbreaker 2-3 to San Diego. I think it's going to be a tough one, but I think it's something that the switchbacks, uh, they'll get another rebound opportunity here and go up against El Paso. And I think Colorado Springs gets the win. Yeah, I mean, you've said it there. I've talked about the El Paso right back issue 
quite a bit. Phil's been on the same thing. The Switchbacks are going to eat that alive, right? So I've got them winning this one. Sometimes I just can't get out of my USL podcast world, and I really started drinking the Kool-Aid of Seriously Loco, and I have somehow talked myself into El Paso winning this one. I Everything tells me that the Switchbacks should win this match, and for that reason, I'm still going with El Paso. Uh, next up, uh, my true game of the week Um this one is going to be Orange County versus Monterey Bay. Just to interject, I cannot believe you chose that, this match to pick. <laughs> I saw it, and I had to. I just had to. <laughs> I mean, we could have picked New Mexico RGV a second time. <laughs> <laughs> We've had one. Uh, yes, but what about a second one? <laughs> there was another. <laughs> I mean, I believe this is uh, the two clubs' first ever meeting of the, um, of at least for Monterey's existence. But uh, Monterey has gone without a win in the last five. Orange County's picked up one in that span, and I think it'll be a really interesting match. But I'll go with Orange County to win this one. I went Orange County as well, and really the logic was that Monterey just has this tendency to never get two good results in a row, and they got a draw, so. They're due to get snacked. <laughs> and this thrilling uh, 12 versus 13 should have been mentioned in games of July, but wasn't. Um, I I went with Monterey Bay. Um, I'm sorry, Andy. I am. I, there's just, I felt like this was just, it felt like Monterey Bay was due to get a win eventually. And this seems like one of the few games that they're going to have a chance. So that's kind of why I went with it. It just kind of felt right. I But it feels so wrong. Um, next up, we have uh, Sacramento versus Oakland. Despite the loss this week to uh, Colorado Springs, Sacramento still has gone their uh, previous four games with uh, with wins. And I think uh, I'm actually locking Sacramento this week to get a win in this one. And it could definitely establish themselves as a credible team to go after a top four spot in the East and try and clinch that home field playoff spot. I want to jump in just real fast. Is this technically a derby? Are they close yeah. enough? Yeah. yeah, it should count. Northern California, right? Yeah, I mean, they're because Sacramento is like inland and Oakland's in the bay, right? I feel like yeah. you could, any like Sacramento, Monterey, Oakland matchup, you can technically call it Derby. Where's Monterey Bay at? I thought they were. Ooh, I know nothing. That's about yeah, that could be me being foolish. <laughs> um, maybe I know nothing about Cal- uh, California. I went there one time and suddenly I'm acting like I'm an expert. I don't it's know. It's an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're good. In any event, I'm going with the Republic here. Um, we talked about Oakland a bit. I think Sacramento really is going to be looking for a rebound after that switchbacks game. So. Yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going with uh, Sacramento as well. Uh, par- partially because Legion played them next week, and I'm hoping that somehow a win 
gets them to lose to Legion because I feel like if they were to lose to Oakland, they would kill Legion. So in my weird, twisted way, this is me trying to manifest a win. Um, don't know how that's going to work. Uh, next up, we have we are moving back into League One, Independence versus Richmond. Oh boy. <laughs> The one thing that gives me pause with uh, Richmond at this year has just been their away form of just two wins all season. And I, they're going up against a Charlotte team who's picked up four wins at home, although I will say uh, Richmond is one of the teams that has beaten Charlotte in Charlotte this season. So I think we'll see a repeat of that, and I'm backing Richmond to win this one. Yeah, four out of five wins for Richmond. The away form is a thing, but I just like them here. Yeah, I went with uh, – I ended up going with Independence here. Uh, last – my main reasoning being in the last two games, Richmond has won both of them, and surely in League One that can't last. No good things last in League One, so surely they're bound to lose to Independence at least once. Um, I still think Richmond's the better team, but League One. Uh, uh, next up, uh, Triumph versus the Fuego. El Fuego, the Fuego. That was a weird word. That was a weird sentence. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's Fuego's return uh, to Greenville since their first opening match, but I think it's Greenville's game to just get another uh, decent result here. If you're looking back to, through all of their recent games, you have to go back to May 21st when they played NCFC to find the last time they were shut out. So I think Greenville continues their form and picks up a win. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sensing a theme here where I think teams are going to be motivated by some mad results, and a Tucson draw certainly qualifies, so I think I'm triumph. Yeah, I didn't put it into the list, but this is my lock, and I think it's going to be Greenville. I say think that's not how locks work. It's going to be Greenville. Um, Fuego started off high, and they've cooled off a bit. Greenville has only gotten hotter. Obviously, a Tucson draw uh, sucks a little bit, but I think that this is going to be a situation where they're back at home in front of the home crowd. It feels like it's going to be a great time. Uh, last up, we have La Tormenta versus the Sad Boys out in Chattanooga. Is Tormenta going to win a game at home this year? I mean, it, we've had this will be their eighth game at home so far, and they still have yet to pick up a result at home. I'm going to back Chattanooga for that one reason, but the, the form has to – they have to get a result at home at some point. Have they played Richmond at home yet? Uh, I don't believe – actually, they won't until October 1st, so big day for October 1st as you have the uh, in the 11th FC Tulsa game on that same day. So – Richmond at home, October 1st. We have a team who can't win away. We have a team who can't win at home. To be fair, the Chattanooga Red Wolves have two wins away from home this year. That's the same amount that Richmond does. Oh, uh, I'll back Chattanooga to win this one until Tormenta can prove me otherwise and win a game at home. Yeah, I went draw here. All of the dynamics at play with these teams' weird tendencies are definitely – kind of addling me with this. I got to shout out my boy, Timmy Mel, who uh, the Red Wolves added. 
I was very high on him going into Tampa and things just didn't quite work out, but he's really talented in defense. And I think he can continue to get integrated and shore things up for them. I went with Tormenta. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I went with Tormenta. I really don't have a reason why other than the last few times I really watched Chattanooga. I haven't been as impressed with, their movement um, offensively. I feel like against Tormenta, which results may not show it, but their defense is still really, really good. I think that an ineffective team off the ball is not going to be able to beat Tormenta. Maybe this is a match that they end up drawing 1-1 or 0-0, but my inclination is that Tormenta gets that first win at home. So that's it. Um, do either one of y'all have any final footy thoughts? Oh, I, I did want to uh, shout out Diego Luna with the whole uh, U.S. under-20 qualifying campaign. I think five assists in the tournament may be really doing well and repping the league ridiculously good. Um, you know, I think you posted your uh, – you know, your young players to watch a little bit soon now that Matthew Corcoran starting to play in almost every single game for Legion. So um, he did have a little bit of a moment um, that really – that you could see that he was young against Louisville at the very end. We had a chance to score where if it was Prosper Kasim, I think he would have – I think he would have lined it up for a shot or if he was a little bit more composed and mature um, – which will come in playing time, obviously. He would have squared it to somebody for a pass, but you could tell he panicked. But that kid has so much talent. So much talent. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, let's go ahead with some parting thoughts. Ryan. Um, aside from Thor Love and Thunder this week, uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough with the time off that I was able to run for uh, four consecutive days. So it's been great to just be able to keep the fitness levels up during the uh, summer and uh, continue to enjoy the nice weather and when it's not uh, tropical storm weather here. <laughs> I think that's when you should go run. I actually did run in uh, somewhat like I the love pouring the rain, rain like that. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. I slipped on uh, one of the bridges that are in the park, but uh, other than that, it was a pretty good run. I didn't lose my pace after the slip. After I slipped, I immediately got back up. Nice. nice. Anything for the mile time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. I, just like personal note, like I'm starting real human work next week and it is going to be weird. Yeah. So you I'll try to keep up the USL volume. I'm sure I'll be fine in that regard, but like, it's not sinking in that like I'm a real human at this point <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Congratulations on being a real person now. Um, oh, uh, do you have any? Do you have any recommendations for the watching stuff this week? By the way, anything to watch? Yeah, I'll, I'll echo Ryan on uh, go see Thor in theaters. Seems like it'll be a fun, weird movie, much like the last Thor was. Fair enough. Uh, for me, let's see. Um, I think I said it. I don't know if I actually said it on the show, but I said it pre-show. 
pre-show. Today, this is the fifth and final podcast that I've recorded today. Um, I have spent about six and a half hours on the microphone today, and I'm feeling it. So uh, don't do that, kids. Um, don't. It's it's not worth it, I promise. Um, now, every single time I watch a YouTuber that says, oh, I had to pre-record or I had to you know, pre-record all my stuff for the next week, God bless their souls. I don't know how they do that. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I have an athletic feat I want to share uh, with in, in a different vein than Ryan. For the first time in my life, I can grab rim on a 10-foot goal as of today. So hey, the bunnies nice. are here. I am I am going to be next up. I if Minnesota wants to trade four first round picks for me, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you get Rudy Gobert and also get fleeced at the same time. Congratulations <laughs> to, to Minnesota. Um, oh, and I usually have a classical music pick. Uh, I guess it's the same piece, but two different iterations. Uh, Pavon, uh, 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 Pavon for a Dead Princess by Ravel. Um, both the orchestral and the piano version, very pleasant to listen to. Ravel is a very nice listen if you want something in the background. Um, so yeah, there's my listenings. They're both, I think, like six minutes long. It's the same piece. I think they're like six minutes long, so it's a really easy listen. So yeah, that's about it from me. I uh, hope, uh, Gio, I hope uh, the, the wife gets feeling better. Phil, I hope being a father has been great get lots of sleep my man especially going back to work alan i hope you're not watching this and i hope that you do not remember what happened for the rest of the week because i hope you're enjoying new orleans properly <laughs> and to everybody watching live in the chat thank you for being here for everybody who is listening in podcast form thank you so much like i said check out away days away days is going up to uh, Charleston, and we are going to Union Omaha as well, and possibly San Antonio. So we'll see. We're working on it. But thank you guys so, so much for listening. And even though he is not here, how about we listen to Alan's voice one good time? Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.